Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, right here, Mark chapter two for this evening. So you guys know how I am. I like to, um, I like to, as best as I can, you don't always see something in scripture that you have never seen before. Um, sometimes you just see good stuff that you have seen before, but it's still good stuff, right? And so you still, you still teach it. Um, but I've actually seen a couple of things that I've really never pondered before. And, and I wanna share it tonight, um, but I wanna set the atmosphere and we might sing something in just a second. But in Mark chapter two, verse one, it says this, it says, when he being Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And as he was preaching the word to them, And they came bringing to him a paralytic man carried by four other men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the man which the paralytic lay. They let down the bed on which the paralytic man lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins alone but God? And immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, that's awesome. They thought it in their heart and Jesus answered them out loud. Like they're kind of in trouble, (laughs) you know? And Jesus literally says out loud, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, go home and he rose immediately picking up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and they glorified God saying we have never seen anything like this and I just want to read one more verse of scripture and Pastor Stovall has actually been reading this uh, several times throughout uh, the last few weeks in our services in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 16 it says thus says the Lord who makes a way everyone say make a way thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea a path in the mighty waters who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? And he says it again because it's so important. I will make a way. I will make a way in the wilderness and the desert. I wanna preach to you just for a few minutes tonight on way-making faith way-making faith. Three that we just read um, tells us in so many words that God has the capacity, the ability, the power and the fortitude to make a way where there's never been one, right? In other words, before him, it was not in the cards. It wasn't gonna happen, but through him, by him, and because of him, a way can now be made. He is a way maker. Just say way maker. He's a way maker. I wrote some things down. You see, before him, there was no salvation and eternity with God, but Jesus made that way. He made that way possible. Before him, there was actually no freedom over sickness, illness, disease, and death, but Jesus made that way so that there is. There was no deliverance over oppression and attack, but Jesus made a way where there had never been away. It's what our God does. He makes a way where there never has been one. And right here in Isaiah 43, it literally says where there has only ever been dry, lifeless, parched, desolate, barren places, 
Jesus says through the prophet Isaiah, I will literally carve out rivers of living water through everything that has only ever produced dry, parched, desolate, barren ground. That's what Jesus does. See, see, it's not just like, think, think of deserts. Think of this imagery. It's, it's not just something that went bad in the last few days. A desert has been dry for centuries. It's been parched and barren forever. But Jesus says, even in the things that have been sitting barren and parched and dry and lifeless for what seems like forever, I can still bring water and vitality and life even to that. He makes a way where there has been no way. What has produced fruit? Nothing, no, no fruit. For years, I can cause life to spring forth. And we just read in Mark chapter two about four friends who bring a paralyzed man, one of their friends, to Jesus. And we read the story right there and you saw it in your Bible. Upon arriving to the house that day, they quickly realized that they're late for church. There's no seats. They can't get their front row seats. Someone else is now in their seat. The ushers are trying their best to figure it out. Right, But the usher's like, I'm sorry, you're late. We already started you know, 15 minutes ago. There's no more room left in the main auditorium. In fact, all of our overflows are actually full too. The best you can do now is you're gonna have to go back home and live stream this thing with Jesus today. Like you can't, we, we can't even get in. They're, they're frustrated. Come on, none of us know anything about that kind of frustration, uh, you know, but uh, especially at Awakening Revival. But uh, they were late. They were late to church. They can't get in. There's no more seats, right? They've come all this way, but, but here they are. And these four friends, though, they're not having it. They're not having it. No, 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 no. You don't understand. We done carried Jimmy all the way from the other side of town. And Jimmy, no offense to you, brother, but he ain't, he ain't light. Jimmy, you're heavy. And we carried you all this way. We are getting in to see Jesus, right? They're not, they're not having it. They're not having it. We're not, we ain't going back home. We came this far. We are not going back home. We're going to figure this out, right? And you know the rest of the story. They can't get through the front door and so they have this thought going, oh, let's go up to the roof, let's dig a hole. I have to imagine though, surely they had other thoughts before the roof and the hole thought, right? Like surely they considered, is there a window we can walk through? Is there a back door? I don't know, but finally, apparently, the last resort they had was, let's get up on the roof, let's tear a hole in this baby, let's lower him down to Jesus and we'll see what happens, right? And watch this, church. Um, they couldn't find a way so they, they made a way. They couldn't find a way, so they made a way. I believe one of the reasons Jesus was so impressed with their faith was because their actions modeled the heart of God. Their actions modeled the heart and the character of God for a way-making God to see some way-making faith. Surely that would have resonated with the heart of Jesus. Surely Jesus would have been there in that moment. And as he sees the, the, the roof begin to tear off and daylight now shining through the ceiling and a man being lowered down, surely the first thing Jesus would have thought to himself is, my God, this is exactly what my father does. He makes a way where there is no way. He makes a way where there is no way. No way, way-making faith. Church, do you have way-making faith? Orange Park, Julington Creek, do you have way-making faith? What is way-making faith? It's persistent faith. It's consistent faith. It's diligent faith, tenacious faith, determined faith. It's stubborn faith at times. 
Strong-minded faith, unwavering faith, firm, steadfast, committed, loyal, devoted faith. That's way-making faith. See, way-making faith is a faith that knows that there's another door even when the first door's closed. Even, even when the first door rejected me, even when the first door slammed in my face, even when the first door prohibited me, way-making faith knows there's still another door. There's still another way. Look at it again in verse one and two. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported Jesus is at home, right? Many people actually believe this is Peter's house. This wasn't actually Jesus' house. He's actually at Peter's house this day. You know what's really funny about that is you, when you read this account in Matthew, um, you can read this story in Matthew, but Matthew leaves out the whole part about them tearing the roof off and coming through, uh, coming through the roof, right? Matthew just says, friends brought a paralyzed man. Jesus healed him. It was awesome. But Mark mentions the roof being tore off. Why does Mark mention the roof being tore off? Because it's Mark's gospel, but Mark, Mark's gospel is actually Peter's account. And it was Peter's house. So Peter's like, make sure you put the part in that they tore my roof off. I still got a leaky roof from that moment. You put it in there, Mark. Put it in there, right? Like, like Peter made sure it made it. We all know, right? Peter's roof got tore off. So they, they were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. What a disappointing moment, truthfully. Here you are, you, you've carried your buddy across town. We don't know how far they walked. It could have been a long, long way. And four men carried a friend all the way across town. You think to yourself, there's Jesus holding this revival meeting. It's gonna be great. We're gonna get there. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna walk in the front door. He's probably gonna be in the living room teaching some great stuff. He always does. He's the best. I love him. I listen to his podcast all the time. He's phenomenal, right? We're gonna walk in there. We're gonna give our friend and Jesus is gonna heal him. It's gonna be a great day. That was all of their assumptions and expectations. And here they are, and they now they arrive, and there's no way to get in the front door. It's disappointing. Surely they would have been disappointed. Like, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. Are you serious? Are you serious? We came all this way. This is so disappointing. Church, have you ever encountered a door of disappointment in life? It's not fun, is it? a door of disappointment, maybe a door of opposition? Have you ever prayed a prayer and it didn't go the way you saw it going in your head and it led to some disappointment, right? Disappointment, a door of disappointment. Maybe it's a door of disappointment in your health or your finances, a door of disappointment in your marriage, a door of disappointment in a friendship, a door of disappointment in your family or in your career. And when you saw it, your first thought was, there's no way I can get through this door. There's no way I can make it through this door. You know, I heard it said one time that life's greatest opportunities are not always obvious. They're not always obvious. And what I've learned now at 33 years old is sometimes when you can't get through, it's time to go up. That's what these men did. That's what their way-making faith led to. Sometimes when they, they couldn't get through the front door, and, and, and so their next thought was, well, if we can't get through, we gotta go up. We gotta go up. Sometimes when you're not seeing any headway in that circumstance or that situation that you've been praying about for a long, long time, listen to me, when you can't get through, it's time to go up. Right When it's not working down and, and you've been trying to bust through this thing and you've been doing it in your own strength and maybe you've even talked to a few people around you but when you're not able to get in and you're not able to get through, it's time to go up. 
Come on, I hope you hear what I'm saying tonight. Hope you hear what I'm saying. Sometimes when it's not working out for you to get through, it's time to go up again in prayer. It's time to go up again in petitioning God. It's time to go up again in lifting up your faith. Oh, sometimes you gotta go up to get the answer when you're not able to get through. You gotta go up. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you gotta go up. You gotta go up. When you can't get through, it's time to go up. And what you'll find is that even though you don't see a way through at times, there's always another way. Why is there always another way? Because Jesus makes them. When you don't see the way, there's always another one because God makes ways. He makes ways where they haven't existed before. He makes ways where they've never been before. You don't see it, but you don't see what he sees. The Bible says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He sees things you don't see. If you were playing chess with Jesus, he sees moves you're never going to see. You just got to trust that he sees the moves. And when you have way-making faith, what you'll find out is that ways will be made as you have way-making faith. He makes ways where there's never been a way. He's a way-making God. We can have way-making faith. The friends are thinking to themselves, we didn't come this far just to go back home. So they had some way-making faith. Way-making faith. Have you ever had to make your own way in life? Like life and success wasn't just handed to you. You actually had to go and dig it out for yourself. Like you you had to make it. You had to make your own way. You know what I found to be true is that sometimes getting rejected at the first door can be the greatest thing that ever happened to us because it forces us now to cultivate a spirit of persistence and diligence and hard work and good good work ethic. And it forces us to do, it forces us to try again. It forces us to get creative. It forces us to work even. Sometimes a closed front door is the greatest thing you need to strengthen your faith. See, nobody likes the closed front door, but instead of being so angry that it's shut, you might as well just start walking away saying, well, praise God, he knows another way. Praise God, that that may not have been a right door, but he's gonna lead me to another door. I'm not gonna get so beat up and down that this door was shut because my God specializes in opening doors where there has never been a door. He makes a way where there's never been a way. Come on, is this helping blessing anybody not? He makes a way where there's never been a way. You gotta get that through your head, man. Life throws so many disappointing things. And the doctor gave you a bad report. Closed door. Doctor, I'm thankful for you, but that's okay because my God's gonna make another door up here. He's gonna make another door where there's never been. It's gonna, I, well, I'm gonna find it. It might take me a little bit to find it, but I'm gonna find it. That you, you, you put in all those resumes and right every door just shutting in your face. No, we don't need you. No, we don't want you. You're not qualified. You're not right. You don't have the skill set. All the doors were shut. But praise God, he already knows the door that needs to open. And if you'll just have some way-making faith, he's going to lead you to the way that you never even thought of. Because truthfully, it didn't even exist until he got involved. He makes a way where there's never been a way. A door of disappointment can actually be a blessing 
in our life. Some of you are already thinking about doors that have disappointed you in the past. Relationships, career doors, family thing didn't work out. You know, finances didn't work out the way you thought it was going to be. And, and in the moment, you were frustrated. And look, we're human. We're, we're, that, that's what happens. Of course, you get sad, you get mad, you get angry. And God can handle all that, by the way. He's not freaking out just because you're a little emotional at times. He actually knows how to handle us. He created us. He knows how to handle us when we're walking through some deep, dark valley kind of seasons. But, but instead of being mad at all those doors, hopefully you're catching a revelation tonight that that wasn't your door. And if that was your door, he would have opened it for you. But the reason that door was shut was because that wasn't your door. And he's going to get you to the right door. He's going to get you to the right way, right? But you see, watch this, church. Even though there's always another door, just, just hear me. You can write this down. Faith is the door finder. Okay? There's, all, there's another door out there. There's another way out there. But faith is going to help you find it. You, you, you keep building faith. You keep cultivating faith. You keep being a person of faith. That's the door finder. There will be amazing doors that some people will never walk through because those doors are only found with faith. Like, like what miracle are we missing when we refuse to have way-making faith? What door will always be shut to us until we have way-making faith? What display of God's power are we not seeing in our life because we neglect way-making faith? Persistent, diligent, tenacious faith, right? This is Mark's gospel account, as we've already said, uh, and, and Peter was helping him uh, write this. And it's interesting, in Mark's account right here, in, in Mark's gospel, Mark mentions faith four times in his gospel, it's a gospel with tons of stories of miracles, but he actually mentions faith four times. And, um, and it's interesting, none of them represent attitude, they all represent action. See, faith, to Mark, faith was something you can see. Faith was something you, you, you can do. Faith was an act of, of action. It wasn't just an attitude. It wasn't just a passive attitude of, I'm just gonna sit here, but I got some faith. No, to Mark, faith was, was a woman with an issue of blood crawling her way on the ground to get over to Jesus, right? To Mark, faith was four devoted friends lifting up their heavy buddy on top of a roof and digging through mud and straw and hay and dirt to get down to Jesus. That's what faith was to Mark. Faith wasn't just a passive attitude, Faith was action. Faith was, faith was I, I'm gonna be aggressively believing that God is gonna do this. I'm gonna chase after him, right? The four friends had way-making faith. See, faith allowed them to see a door that they couldn't see in the natural. They begin to tear away. I, I want you to think about this, like, like, here they are, man. What an amazing story that I don't even know. I mean, was there a ladder? I don't even know. Maybe they just had to just climb up the side of a building somehow, and they got to the top, and they got their friend, and they're all just, they're just digging. They didn't, they didn't bring tools. They weren't expecting to do this. So here they are on the hands and knees, and they are digging and digging and digging. You see, church, sometimes you got to be willing to mess up your manicure to get to your miracle. 
You gotta be willing to dig it out. That's good right there. Write that down, Stephen. That's really good. That, you gotta be willing to dig. You gotta be willing to go after it, right? Sometimes it's gonna take some digging. The Bible says faith is a fight. I almost fell off. The Bible says, and someone was gonna have to pray for me. There's cords up here. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. This fan feels nice, but it almost killed me, Ryan. So uh, sometimes faith is a fight, scripture says. Are you willing to fight? Are you willing to dig enough to get the miracle that you're really chasing God for? Because I'm here to tell you, we gotta get past this passive faith kind of stuff. We, we come to church and thank God for church where a community of believers can come. We can pray together. We've talked, Pastor Chris preached a message about the power of agreement and that's what we do. We come together, we agree with one another, we pray. But boy, our faith has to be even more of a fight than just, dear Jesus, let it happen in the altar. Are you continuing to fight your Monday through Saturday, right? Are you continuing to fight that fight of faith? Because here's what we all know. It's easy to have faith in church. The songs are so good and the people are so nice for the most part. And, right? It's easy to have faith in the altar when the, when the awesome care partners have been trained to, to be so encouraging and so exhorting. It's so easy to have faith in that moment. But are you still fighting the fight of faith when you're at home and the bad reports keep showing up and the doors keep closing in your face. Faith is a fight. But if we have way-making faith, that tenacious, stubborn, firm, stick to it, I'm, I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna keep believing. Because listen, some of us, man, you've been believing for 20 years now. You're too far down to stop now. You might as well just keep it going. You might as well just keep believing at this point. You know what I mean? You're, you're too far into this thing now. Just keep, just keep believing. Way-making faith works because we have a way-making God. He's a way-making God. So watch this. So, so, so they lower their friend down to Jesus, and now here he is. He's, he's standing in front of Jesus. And Jesus says something very interesting, and it's kind of confusing um, if, you're not, if you're not really digging into to why he said what he said and you don't really study it. Jesus says um, he sees all that's going on. He sees a man come down on a mat. Like Jesus, he's not ignorant. He knows, he knows what's going on. But he, but he says this. Jesus says, I forgive your sins. Now the four friends are probably thinking, uh, Jesus, <laughs> um, look, we just came from the other side of town. I'm hot. I'm tired. I don't see no uh, bottles of water around here, by the way, Jesus. But, um, and, uh, and he was heavy, and we got him here. Thanks for like the forgiveness and the sin stuff. But could you do anything about his legs? That's kind of really why we came. It was really more about the legs. If you could just help them with that, that'd be great, right? They're probably confused. Like, wait, forgiveness of sins, thanks. Did you see he can't walk? Like, right? You see, Jesus isn't ignorant. He knows the man can't walk. He can, he can obviously see that. But another thing Jesus knows is that right now in this house and all these people that are here, which was apparently a lot if they weren't able to get in the front door, with all these people that have gathered here today, what Jesus can see that perhaps no one else can see is that there's actually more paralyzed faith in this room than there are paralyzed legs in this room. 
Jesus can see. There's way more paralyzed faith than there are paralyzed legs. So I'll tell you what I'll do, fellas. Um, we're going to get to the legs in just a second, but let's go ahead and work on the deeper issue of the paralyzed faith that's in the room. And then I'll get to the legs in just a minute. Because what's worse, paralyzed legs or paralyzed faith? And Jesus knows what they don't know, and he can see what they can't see in the hearts of everyone that's around, right? And so Jesus says, I forgive your sins. He says that instead of addressing the legs at first. Why did he say that? Well, watch this, church. In the Jewish mind at this time, sin and suffering were tightly connected. It was often assumed that if you were suffering, it was because you were in sin, now, Jesus, throughout his ministry for those three years, he often dispelled this idea because several times there was someone in the Pharisees or the scribes would say, what has this person do to be afflicted with this? And Jesus several times would say they didn't do anything. It's not, it's not, because, it's not because they sinned that they are this way. Jesus dispels this idea that sin and suffering always go hand in hand. You see, suffering bad and hurt, that, that's not because God's paying you back for something that you did wrong. It's just the hand that we all got dealt as humanity living in a fragmented and fallen world. That's just the hand we got dealt as human beings living on earth. It's not because... God is getting you back or it's payback for a sin that you did, the reason that you're suffering. That's, that's not the proper view of God. It's not because of God that bad things happen. It's actually because of God that good can come from bad. It's actually because of God that joy can come in the morning after a really, really dark night. It's actually because of God that we even have a shepherd that will walk through the dark valley with us in the first place. It's actually because of him. And I was, I was in Georgia uh, years ago before I was at Celebration, and I was a youth pastor up in Georgia. And I'll never forget, I was doing a middle school service uh, one night. And, and in that season of uh, the church, one of our middle school girls, I think she was like 14 years old, um, her father passed away suddenly. Um, and he died, and it was very, very tragic and, and very out of the blue. And, and so obviously, man, her friends and us as youth pastors and, and church family, men, you know, caring for the family, gathering around them and all that kind of stuff. But I remember the first service uh, that she came back to youth after the tragedy of her dad. She was there, and, and of course, people are just caring for her and, and, and just loving her um, as she's back to church now and making sure she's okay. And she actually shared in a moment of worship. She wanted to share in a moment of worship about just what God had done in their family and some things and just thanking people and so-and-so for caring for them. And I'll never forget what she said. This is a 14-year-old girl. She's in middle school. And she said this. She said, it's not because of God that my dad died. It's because of God that I'll see my dad again. 14 years old. I thought to myself, my God. What a perspective at 14 years old that even in a paralyzing moment, you can have the right perspective. Even when the moment is paralyzing, my perspective can be right. These four friends in Mark chapter 2, they had the right perspective. They had the right perspective. They had a way-making faith, right, tenacious I mean, God is good, and we're going we're gonna to figure out a way to get you to him. But God, we're, we're here. We're not going back. We've come too far to turn back now. We're going to figure this thing out because we know Jesus is a healer, and we know he makes a way. What a great perspective to have in life. Takes the right perspective to have way-making faith. Thank God for the four friends in this story who had the right perspective. You know, if I was preaching at riot camp tonight, I'd probably preach this message, but I'd call it something like, who is your four? 
Like, who's your four, right? Because the wrong four would have left you at the front door. (laughs) Some of y'all are like, oh, snap. Do I have the right four in my life? Like, I don't want to get left. But the right four will help you find a way, right? I don't want the wrong four. You see, you don't need to just have way-making faith. You need your friends to have way-making faith. As best we can, I need my spouse, I need my family, I need my friends, I need my colleagues. As many as will, I need them to be surrounding me with some way-making faith. Because here's the question you have to answer. Who loves you enough to carry you? These four friends obviously loved them enough to carry them. Is there anyone in your life that loves you enough to carry you? Right? Who's your four? Who's your, that would have preached so well at riot camp. Oh, my goodness. As the band comes and joins me tonight, we're going to pray for some people who need God to make a way where there has yet to be one. John chapter 10. I'll close with this scripture. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And he says it again in verse nine, but I am the door. I am the door. That's Jesus. I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Four friends crossed town and brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And their expectation was we're going to walk through the front door and you're going to get healed. It's going to be so great. We're going to walk through that front door. Jesus is going to be in the living room and you're going to get healed. But what Jesus showed everyone that day in Mark chapter 2 and through the divine inspiration of scripture, he shows all of us today in 2018 is that, no, 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 no. I am the only door that can give you what you need. I am the only door that you can walk through that can really heal and mend and restore and supply and provide everything that you need. Their expectation was that another door was gonna open. And Jesus says, no, 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 you still don't get it, so let me help you. I am the door, I am the door, I am the door, Jesus says. And another passage of scripture that's very, very common to many of us who've grown up in church, Jesus says, I am the way. And even today in 2018, for for people who love God, which is most all of us in this room perhaps, and even though we've been in church time and time again, we hear such great preaching. I mean, these days, my goodness, you hear great preaching all over the world at the click of a button, and, and we have so much coming into our lives. But even though we hear great preaching and it stirs up our faith, there still comes moments because life's real and it's tough and it's hard, We won't pretend that it's not. But even though we know that he is those things, sometimes we still get so fixated and focused on other ways and other doors. If I could just get through that door, that door is going to lead to success. And then I'll finally be able to provide for my family like I've really wanted to. 
man, if I could just get down that way, that way is going to lead to the healing that we need in our life. Man, that's the way. Oh my gosh, I can see it. That's the door, right? That's the door right there. That's going to fit. If I could just get through that door, then I'll really find the person I'm looking for and it'll really be like real love and I'll finally feel a connection with somebody. And, and we still, even though we know Jesus is all of these things, we still so many times think that it's going to be this way and that way and this door and that door. And we always got to come back to the centralized point that no, 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 he is the door. He is the way. And you will just keep banging your face. The only thing you get when you keep knocking on shut doors is red knuckles. That's all you're ever going to get. Okay. I don't know what you need opened up in your life, but there's only one person who can open it. I, I don't know what scenario and circumstance has become a metaphorical, dry, parched, barren, lifeless desert right now for you, but I know that there's only one person who can carve a river out of that. There's only one person who can make a way where there's never been one right there. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. I am the way. He says, blessed are those who seek after me. I love what scripture says. He says, blessed are those who seek me because when you seek me with all of your heart, you find me. That's way making faith. That's tenacious faith. That's diligent, consistent, persistent, stubborn, firm, committed faith. When you seek him with all of your heart, you find him. You know what scripture even tells us? Scripture even, I'm just writing, this isn't even in my notes, but scripture even tells us, I reward those who diligently seek me. What? You ever seen like a lost dog poster in your neighborhood, right? Someone who really loves their dog or their cat enough. I ain't searching for no cat, but I'll just, okay, but maybe a dog. I'll help you out with a dog, okay, but. Lost hamster, come on folks, this is getting out of hand. Okay, so, the hawk got that, hawk, hawk got him, he's gone. So, uh, <laughs> one thing is, is sometimes people who like really, really love their pet, sometimes they'll say like, we'll pay $300 if you find the dog. You know what I mean? Right, we'll pay if you find it. Imagine if I walked up to someone's house, I saw their address listed there and I walk up to their house, I knock on the door, I'm like, hey, how you doing? My name's Clay, you don't know me. I saw your lost dog poster and uh, I'm here to collect the reward. They would look and they'd be like, oh my gosh, praise God, you found Sparky. Where was he? We were so worried. Where was he at? <laughs> but my response is like, no, I actually didn't find him. Uh, but I'm just, I'm, I'm here to collect the reward. I saw you were looking for and I'm like totally down to look. So I'm here to get the money. They'd step back and they would say, no, 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 no. You, you gotta, you gotta find him if you want us to pay you. You gotta find him if you want us to reward you. But our great God, Jesus says, don't even necessarily worry about the finding at first, even though when you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. If you will just seek me, I have rewards that are laid up. 
just for looking. I have rewards that are laid up if you will just seek me, if you'll just have faith, if you'll just come after me, if you'll just be diligent in your seeking, in your looking, in your worship, in your praising, if you'll just be diligent in coming after me, I'm ready to pour out. I'm ready to pour out blessing. I'm ready to show up and do miracles. I'm ready to do great and mighty things for those who will just come and look. God's God's ready to make a way. Come on, you can stand to your feet. God's ready to make a way. Orange Park, Jolington Creek, God's ready to make a way. He sees a door that you don't see. He knows the way that you don't know. Your thoughts are not his thoughts. And your way is not his way. And that door might have been shut because it's not your door. And when the first door shut, praise God, he knows another one. And when the first way is blocked off, praise God, he's going to make a different one. But I can trust that he is the God that makes ways. You know, oftentimes we sing this song, we might even sing it tonight, talking about do it again. God, I want you to do it again. That's a lot of us. God's done things in the past. We want him to do it again. God, provide it again. Restore it again. Heal it again. Bring it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And the Lord spoke to me as I was preparing this message, and God just shared with me, listen, sometimes if you want him to do it again, you just got to pray it again. Just pray it again. Just pray it again. Now, now, now watch, that frustrates some people. Come on, I'm just, this isn't in any of my notes. This must be overflow tonight. God's just giving me overflow. But listen, listen, that frustrates some people. Why do I got to pray it again? Is God like some sadistic, eternal being that's up there and it's like I have to pray the certain magical number of times before he's actually going to do it? What kind of God is that, right? That really frustrates people when it's like they got to pray it again. Pray it again. And listen, there's some things I can't explain about God. Why did the Israelites have to march around seven times? Why couldn't it just been one time? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe God was just wanting to see some way-making faith. Maybe God was just wanting to see how diligent and persistent their faith stayed. You know, why did Naaman have to dip so many times? Why, why couldn't he just have gone down to the river and just dipped one time in the drawer? Why didn't that work? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe God just wanted to see more of a, of a pattern of faith. See, that's way-making faith. I mean, why did Jesus have to stay in the ground three days? Why didn't he just get up a couple hours later? I, I don't know some of these things. All I know is when I read scripture, I just see what God wants of us. And I know that God wants us to be steadfast in our faith. And tonight, I've already preached long enough, so now it's time to pray. And now it's time to really just... Come on, God's got, God's got, God's got the miracle ready. I don't know what it is, man. I'm not... I feel like the longer you stand on the stage, the more you just get this weird Stovall Weems anointing where it's just like this, like, this, like, <laughs> this, like, prophetic, like, I got, I don't know. You know, it's just like, we're just going to see what happens kind of thing, right? But, but I just honestly believe tonight, man, that for some people, and I don't, it might not be everyone tonight, but, but we're all going to be way-making faith kind of people. But for someone tonight, or we're going to pray it tonight, and tomorrow morning, there's gonna be a river. The river's gonna be there where there only has been a desert. And I'm gonna pray, and I don't, I don't know who that's for, 
I don't know if it's in regards to marriages and finances, or I mean, you apply it however you need tonight, but if that's you, and you've been struggling to see the way, but tonight, hopefully by God's grace, your, your faith has been lifted, and you, you, got some, you got some fight back in you for the fight of faith, and tonight you're gonna pray it again, and I just believe we keep praying it again, God's gonna do it again in Jesus' name. So if that's you, man, and you need to exercise some way-making faith, I wanna invite you, come out of your seat right now. Just come down to the altar right now. We're gonna pray, we're gonna lift our voice. Some of our care partners and pastors might come through and just lay hands on you. When you get down here, like don't wait on someone to come by just go ahead and begin to worship just go ahead and and let your worship be like your worship and your praise that is like you just spiritually just tearing back the roof you're just tearing back the roof you're tearing off the mud you're tearing off the dirt you're tearing off the 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 leaves and the tree branches and the hay whatever's up there you're tearing it off that's what our worship does worship allows us to break through and when we break through, God breaks forth in our circumstance. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.